All right, if you want to start making your way back to your seats, we'll go ahead and continue to worship together tonight. So I am not going to, uh, uh, the scripture reading tonight is Psalm 78. That's what James is going to come and share with us in just a second. It's kind of an extensive passage, so I'm going to let him read it as he is going through his sermon. But let me go ahead and open us up in prayer and ask God's blessing on uh, the preaching of his word. Father God, again, we come to you um, asking for um, God, your blessing and favor, your provision as we open your word. Um, God, we recognize that, uh, Father, without your spirit working through your word, um, we will stay blind, we will stay lost, we will stay ignorant. Um, God, it is your spirit revealing your word to our hearts, to our minds, Um that lets us see you clearly, to understand your gospel truly, um, God, to to recognize the great calling that you have upon our lives. So we pray that you would do that very thing. The Holy Spirit would shine a light of illumination on this text in the book of Psalms, um, that he would shine that same light into our hearts to, to reveal um, God, the recesses of, of sin and unbelief, God, that you would um, conform us to the image of your word and conform us to the image of Christ. Uh, we ask your blessing on James as he comes and shares with us. And we thank you. We praise you in Jesus name. Amen. Hello, am I on? We're good. All right, yes, we are going through Psalm 78. Um, you're welcome to turn there and follow along. Um, I think some people are stressing out because uh, it is 72 verses. Um, it is not my goal to go long tonight, so uh, so I better get started. All right, Psalm 78, a mascal of Asaph. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us, that we will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation, the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might, and the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. The Ephraimites, armed with the bow, turned back on the day of battle. They did not keep God's covenant, but refused to walk according to his law. They forgot his works and the wonders that he had shown them. 
In the sight of their fathers, he performed wonders in the land of Egypt, in the fields of Zoan. He divided the sea and let them pass through it and made the water stand like a heap. In the daytime, he led them with a cloud and all the night with a fiery light. He split the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink abundantly as from the deep. He made streams come out from the rock and caused waters to flow down like rivers. Yet they they sinned still more against him, rebelling against the Most High in the desert. They tested God in their heart by demanding the food they craved. They spoke against God, saying, Can God spread a table in the wilderness? He struck the rock so that water gushed out and streams overflowed. Can he also give bread or provide meat for his people? Therefore, when the Lord heard he was full of wrath, a fire was kindled against Jacob. His anger rose against Israel. Because they did not believe in God and did not trust his saving power, yet he commanded the skies above and opened the doors of heaven, and he rained down on them manna to eat and gave them the grain of heaven. Man ate of the bread of the angels. He sent them food in abundance. He caused the east wind to blow in the heavens, and by his power he let out the south wind. He rained meat on them like dust, winged birds like the sand of the seas. He let them fall in the midst of their camp and all around their dwellings. And they ate, and they were well filled, for he gave them what they craved. But before they had satisfied their craving, while food was still in their mouths, the anger of God rose against them, and he killed the strongest of them and laid low the young men of Israel. In spite of all this, they still sinned. Despite his wonders, they did not believe. So he made their days vanish like a breath, and their years in terror. When he killed them, they sought him. They repented and sought God earnestly. They remembered that God was their rock, the most high God, their redeemer. But they flattered him with their mouths. They lied to him with their tongues. Their heart was not steadfast toward him. They were not faithful to his covenant. Yet he, being compassionate, atoned for their iniquity and did not destroy them. He restrained his anger often and did not stir up all his wrath. He remembered that they were but flesh, a wind that passes and comes not again. How often they rebelled against him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. They tested God again and again and provoked the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power or the day when he redeemed them from the foe. When he performed his signs in Egypt and his marvels in the fields of Zoan, he turned their rivers to blood so that they could not drink of their streams. He sent among them swarms of flies which devoured them and frogs which destroyed them. He gave their crops to the destroying locust and the fruit of their labor to the locust. He destroyed their vines with hail and their sycamores with frost. He gave over their cattle to the hail and their flocks to thunderbolts. He let loose on them his burning anger, wrath, indignation, and distress, a company of destroying angels. He made a path for his anger. He did not spare them from death, but gave their lives over to the plague. He struck down every firstborn in Egypt, the first fruits of their strength in the tents of Ham. He Then he led out his people like sheep, and guided them in the, in the wilderness like a flock. He led them in safety, so that they were not afraid, but the sea overwhelmed their enemies. 
and he brought them to his holy land, to the mountain, which his right hand had won. He drove out nations before them. He apportioned them for a possession and settled the tribes of Israel in their tents. Yet they tested and rebelled against the Most High God and did not keep his testimonies, but turned away and acted treacherously like their fathers. They twisted like a deceitful bow, for they provoked him to anger with their high places. They moved him to jealousy with their idols. When God heard, he was full of wrath, and he utterly rejected Israel. He forsook his dwelling at Shiloh, the tent where he dwelt among mankind, and delivered his power to captivity, his glory to the hand of a foe. He gave his people over to the sword and vented his wrath on his heritage. Fire devoured their young men, and their young women had no marriage song. Their priests fell by the sword, and their widows made no lamentation. Then the Lord awoke as from sleep, like a strong man shouting because of wine, and he put his adversaries to rout and put them to everlasting shame. He rejected the tent of Joseph. He did not choose the tribe of Ephraim, but he chose the tribe of Judah, Mount Zion, which he loves. He built his sanctuary like the high, high heavens, like the earth, which he has founded forever. He chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheepfolds, from following the nursing ewes. He brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, Israel, his inheritance. With upright heart, he shepherded them and guided them with his skillful hand. All right. Give everybody a second to wake up. Uh, I know uh, I can often put my children to sleep when I read to them. Uh, and I hope uh, I didn't put you all to sleep. Uh, all right. So uh, Psalm 78. Um, now, uh I first read Psalm 78, uh, something like 12 or 13 years ago. Um, and I remember, uh, going through Psalm 78, uh, and I, I loved, uh, verses one through eight. And then the rest of the Psalm, I was like, ah, it's kind of irrelevant. Uh, I didn't, I didn't see much point in it. Uh, and I know, uh, I've, I've heard, um, I've heard people, uh, voice, uh, similar, um, uh, a similar relationship to the Psalms. Uh, you know, there's some Psalms, uh, that, uh, really, um, you know, grip us, um, you know, um, you know, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. Uh, you know, there's, there's some popular Psalms that people really love, uh, but then there's a lot of Psalms, uh, that people just really don't know what to do with. Uh, you know, uh, like, uh, like I remember, um, just absolutely boring myself, uh, reading the rest of Psalm 78. I like it started out great, but I don't know what's going on here. Um, uh, but if, uh, you know, if you, if you hear what Asaph is saying at the very beginning, uh, he says, give ear, O my people to my teaching, incline your ears to the words of my mouth. You know, this is a message that needs to be heard. Um, and, and that's, uh, that is the case, uh, with, with all of scripture, uh, with all of scripture, we need to incline our ears. Uh, we need to hear it. Um, and I think, um, I think there's a, a great misconception when it comes to, uh, Bible study. Um, you know, there's a lot of people who think, 
They can really only come to uh, understand the Bible if they have, uh, you know, academic works along with them uh, while they read it. Uh, but the big deal with studying the scripture is to hear it, uh, to hear it often, to grow up uh, with the word, uh, you know, do laps in the scriptures. Uh, that's how you come to, to hear and to understand, uh, you know, what is being spoken. Uh, the, the big idea in what Asaph is pushing forth in Psalm 78, we've got to hear this word because we've got to remember. We've got to remember our history because remembering our history is remembering what God has done for us. Uh, the issue time and time again with the Israelites is that they forget. Even when they saw the works of the Lord, they forgot and they sinned against God. Uh, but uh, so the, the big deal with scripture is we've got to hear it uh, and we, we've got to hear it often. Um, do so, uh, you know, if, uh, if you care about your life, you should want to do so. Uh, if you would like to be of service to the next generation, uh, commit yourselves to hear the word of the Lord. Um, so as, uh, as Asaph says, uh, we can tell it to the coming generations that they could be raised up in the word of the Lord. It's that they can tell the generation yet to come. Um, so, um, uh, you know, oftentimes, uh, when folks get in that mindset that, uh, you know, you, you can't really grasp the word without having, you know, great academic works and things like that. Uh, what often happens is people don't read the academic works and then they don't read the Bible. Um, but, uh, just, um, it, you have to, you have to play the long game when it comes to Bible study. Uh, you know, don't expect to learn it all in a year. Uh, you know, maybe give yourself five years. That's a good start. Um, but if you are committed to hearing the word of the Lord, uh, you know, just imagine, um, you know, what what the Lord might have you equipped with uh, 20 years down the road. Uh, you know, it's something it's something you have to uh, commit to and grow up with. Um, but uh, so and then the danger is if you don't you are very likely going to be walking in the way of the Israelites as Asaph describes here throughout Psalm 78. Um, so, uh, all right, that's verse one. Um, now I promise it, it'll, uh, it'll pick up. Um, all right. So, uh, so Asaph, uh, Asaph is very likely the same Asaph who is a Levitical singer um, who was there at the time that the Ark of the Lord was brought to Jerusalem, uh, officially brought to Jerusalem um, as uh, the Ark's uh, final uh, resting place for Israel. Um, so, uh, so Asaph is writing, um, you know, during a certain time where, uh, you know, David has been declared king. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the ark, uh, has had, uh, quite a history, uh, up to this point. Um, and that is, even though the ark is not mentioned, uh, that is what Asaph is reflecting as he is describing Ephraim, uh, and what happened at Shiloh. Uh, so, uh, 
All right, so Asaph says, uh, in verse 2, he says, I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old. Uh, now, uh, if, if you consider that, he's saying he's going to declare a parable. Um, but what does he do? He declares Israel's history. And so that's, that's interesting to think about. This is not just, you know, this, this Bible is not just a historical work. Um, you know, we believe it to be a factual historical work, but it is simultaneously a parable. Uh, God, as the author of history, has worked events in such a way to display his glory and for us to grasp his great uh, gospel work of salvation um, that he has worked for us. Uh, so so th- these events described here. Um, yes, it is Israel's history, uh, but also Asaph is presenting to us a parable, something that we need to look at and that we need to meditate on and consider um, that we may grow in wisdom, that we may grow in our knowledge and be stirred to hope in the Lord. Uh, I believe that's Asaph's big goal here is to stir the people to hope in the Lord. Uh, so uh, our history is a parable. Um, and you can see, uh, our history is a parable in such a way that, uh, Asaph didn't even fully comprehend the parable. Now he presents the people of Israel a parable for them to ponder and to understand, but we understand the parable even greater, uh, because Jesus is the full end of this parable. Uh, you know, this verse here where it says, I will open my mouth in a parable, uh, Matthew, quotes this verse in Matthew 13 uh, to say that uh, Jesus fulfills this verse. As Jesus teaches in parables, he is directly fulfilling uh, this verse here in uh, Psalm 78 too. Uh, And so, uh, so Asaph says this, uh, and uh, he he declares uh, ultimately what must be done. Uh, You know, verses three through eight, uh, we must hear this word. We must listen to this parable that the coming generation would know the Lord and hope in the Lord, um, that they may know the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might, uh, because, oh, how we forget. Uh, you know, and uh, it's uh, it's easy for us um, to read the Bible and just be so confused because we see you know, God uh, parting the waters, uh, leading the people through, and then annihilating the Egyptians who are coming after them. Uh, and then, uh, you know, we wonder, um, you know, you, you turn a couple of pages and Israel's already sinning against the Lord. Uh, and, and we are, are quick to judge them as fools. Uh, but we ourselves are the same way. Um, uh, very much. You know, we know the full end of all this, Jesus Christ. You know, the Israelites did not see that at this time, but we see it. And so how much more foolish it is for us when we sin against the Lord um, and and go our way uh, rather than um, seeking to trust and obey God. Uh, so, uh uh, you know, uh, speaking of parables, uh, you know, parenting is a living parable. 
if you know in in listening to this psalm, it's constantly uh, a message of Israel rebelled. God was rich in mercy and slow to anger. And God still loved and cared for the Israelites. And the Israelites respond by sinning and rebelling against God. And how how does God reveal himself? Well, he is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Uh, you know, that that is the rhythm of parenting. Uh, you know, for, for those of you who have children, uh, you're probably very well aware that, uh, you know, as you raise children, you give, you pour yourselves out to them, and they constantly sin against you. You know, they constantly will disobey you. And so the challenge for parenting, you know, you know, parenting is where uh, a situation where God allows us to um, see things from his perspective. And then we are given the chance to act out in, uh, you know, in, in trying to exercise what that's like to be slow to anger uh, and to be rich in mercy uh, towards our children. Um, so, you know, parenting itself, uh, is a, a, a living, uh, parable, uh, to, to teach us about our heavenly father, uh, and what is going on, uh, in this world that he has created. Uh, so, uh, in verse eight, it says, and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. Um, so, uh, so that is why we commit ourselves to hearing the word. Uh, he starts here describing the Ephraimites. Uh, that's where a lot of people uh, in this psalm, uh, if you uh, are not um, pretty well steeped in your Old Testament, um, this mention of the Ephraimites uh, trips people up. Um, what, what is the significance of the Ephraimites? Uh, well, so uh, Ephraim, the tribe of Ephraim, one of the 12 tribes of Israel, has a very rich history. Uh, if you remember uh, Joseph, the story of Joseph, the coat of many colors, uh, he was sold into slavery by his brothers, and God led him to uh, essentially um, save the world from starvation, where he went from slave to uh, basically uh, second in command over Egypt. And then uh, Joseph had two sons. One of those sons was Ephraim, and Ephraim uh, became one of the 12 tribes of Israel. Um, so Ephraim has Joseph. Ephraim also has Joshua. And Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. Um, so Joshua was an Ephraimite. Whenever Israel uh, invaded Canaan uh, to, to take the land, uh, what we see is uh, the tabernacle got set up in Shiloh of Ephraim. Uh, and that's where the ark was housed. Uh, when, uh, when the Israelites first, uh, came into the land. Uh, so the mention of Ephraim here uh, is, uh, about, uh, Ephraim, uh, ultimately, uh, falling, descending into sin. And, uh, what will ultimately happen is the, uh, ark of the Lord will end up being taken away. 
uh, if, uh, if, uh, if you read the first few chapters of first Samuel, uh, the first few chapters, uh, of first Samuel describe this whole situation. Um, that's what's being reflected on here when Asaph mentions uh, how the Ephraimites and how they did not keep God's covenant, but refused to uh, walk according to his law and they forgot his works. Because um, uh, what has happened in Ephraim, those who were in charge of the tabernacle, uh, Eli and his sons, Hophni and uh, Phinehas, uh, they uh, they were wicked. Um uh, Eli was not as blatantly wicked as his sons were, but his sons were awful. Um, treating, uh, treating the maids of the tabernacle as, uh, prostitutes, uh, accepting bribes, keeping the best portions of the sacrifices for themselves. Uh, whatever the scripture, uh, whenever the scripture displays, uh, the priests in, uh, in such a horrible light, uh, that is a way of showing that uh, Israel itself is in absolute darkness and disobedience to God during this time. Um, so that is what has occurred uh, in uh, Ephraim. And so the Lord raised up the Philistines to come against Israel. And uh, in a, a small little battle to start with, Israel gets whooped. And so they come up with a bright idea, you know, hey, uh, great, great granddaddy Joshua, he uh, he let the ark lead the way and Israel had victory. So we're going to uh, take the ark and we're going to march that ahead of us and we shall uh, conquer the Philistines because we'll have the ark. And like, yeah, it's a great idea. Uh, you know, forget about all that wickedness we've been involved in. Surely we'll have victory because we'll have the ark. Uh, and uh, what happens is uh, 30,000 Israelites uh, get put to death and the Ark of the Lord gets taken. The Ark of the Lord is captured by the Philistines. Um, so that is sitting at the background of what Asaph is writing here in the Psalms. Uh, Ephraim uh, failed. Uh, they did not keep God's covenant. So, uh, so God brought judgment upon them through the Philistines. Uh, now, one of the things that is very interesting in this is uh, to to grasp how you should best judge uh, the time of the kings, first and second Samuel, first and second Kings, you must read Deuteronomy 28. Uh, you read Deuteronomy 28. And uh, one of the things that you realize is that um, the the curse of disobedience to God, what's involved in that is capture. Capture and exile being taken by um, uh, by other nations. And what happens at this event is that Israel does not get taken. God does. Ultimately, a picture of God taking the curse upon himself. God has the ark be captured. You know, the ark was ultimately uh, what, uh, you know, God's throne on earth, how he would uh, speak to the high priest was through the ark. Uh, and at this uh, at this battle with the Philistines, it is the ark that is captured and not Israel. The expectation uh, from reading Deuteronomy 28 is that Israel would be captured at this time. They deserve it. Things have gone so bad. They have become so wicked. The expectation would be Israel would be captured. 
But no, God takes the curse upon himself. He uh, is captured, um, which is how uh, Asaph phrases it. Um, he doesn't mention the ark, but God uh, gets taken captive. Um, and so, uh, you know, and that, that might be shedding light uh, to the to the deeper parable. Uh, as as we know in the gospel, you know, the wages of sin is death. You know, but who took that punishment upon himself in our place? You know, Jesus did. You know, that picture is displayed here uh, in this psalm. Um, so, uh, so Ephraim, uh, what, what led to their failure, uh, was how, uh, they forgot. They did not value the importance of God's word and hearing it. Uh, so they forgot God's word, um, and, uh, judgment came upon them. Uh, what they needed to remember was the, the great works of God. What has God done? Um, and first and foremost, uh, he talks about uh, the dividing of the waters. And that was the climactic moment in Israel's history when God rescued them from Egypt, was parting the waters. And Israel walking across on dry ground, and Pharaoh coming after them, and then the Lord bringing the waters down and wiping out Pharaoh and his army. Uh, and so they forgot that. Uh, Paul mention this event he mentions this event as israel's baptism and so in in essence asaph is saying israel you must remember your baptism you know for us in our baptism it is this picture of how god has rescued us from uh who we were enslaved to you know we were enslaved to satan and as we go through baptism, this passing through the waters, uh, what we should ultimately picture is Satan uh, face down floating on top of the, of the waters. Our old master has been conquered and God has brought us through the waters and brought us to his His kingdom, to liberty. Uh, and and that's that that's this same message. Uh, that is being declared here uh, with Asaph. Again, that's that deeper part of, of the parable. Uh, so uh, they forgot their baptism. Uh, Ephraim has forgotten. Uh, you know, and he, uh, when they were in the wilderness, uh, he led them. You know, they weren't lost. The Lord was there the whole time. He led them. They had someone they, they could follow. Um, and then uh, he fed them. And even though he constantly took care of them and constantly fed them, uh, it's, it's, it's crazy to think, but they still doubted God. The same God who parted the waters, uh, they didn't think he could take care of them. And what was it that they often did? They often declared how they should go back to Egypt. They preferred the food in Egypt. You know, who, who, who cares, um, about, uh, what God is doing? This doesn't, this situation doesn't look good. And, you know, who cares what God has already done for us? Things don't look great in this wilderness. Uh, let's, let's, we should go back to Egypt. Yeah. And, uh, the, the same thing, uh, happens for us. 
you know, whenever, uh, whenever we start getting in this mindset of, you know, the, the, the godless folks who don't have ears to hear or eyes to see, uh, when we start saying things like, Hey, they're starting to make sense. We should listen to them. I mean, that's that, that's that same idea that's going back to Egypt. No, it's, it, we must commit ourselves to hear the word of the Lord and to follow his ways. Um, even when, uh, things don't seem to look good. Uh, there's, there's many people, uh, who are getting the sense that, uh, the, the church in our culture is being pushed into a wilderness situation. It's not looking good. Uh, you know, I, many folks I've grown up with have completely left the church. They want nothing to do with it. Many people are going back to Egypt. Uh, you know, time and time again, when you hear this word, you know, that's a bad idea. Trust in the Lord. He's, he's, he's done more than enough to prove himself faithful. Uh, trust in the Lord and his ways. Um, so he's cared for them. And uh, Asaph enters into this back and forth where, uh, and just, you can go and read the account. You see it. It's a constant back and forth. Uh, God does something great. And a couple pages later, Israel still sins against God. Uh, and it's constant. And even when they come into the land, uh, you know, they were 40 years in the wilderness. And finally, um, you know, Joshua leads Israel uh, into the land. Uh, you know, Joshua is is great. Uh, you, you read the book of Joshua. It seems like things are going well. And then you get to Judges and wow, what happened? Uh, what, what, why, why would Israel, um, rebel against God like that? Um, and so it's, it, it's constant. Um, and, uh, Asaph, um, displays that here in this song. God is faithful, uh, and his people continue to sin against him. And even though his people continue to sin against him, God is still faithful. Now, that's something that should stir up hope within you, because even if you have sinned against God, uh, you know, even if you are a, a baptized Christian and you have sinned against God. You know, don't uh, beat yourself up about your past. Um, don't be hard on yourself about, uh, you know, wickedness you've been involved in. Um, it, drop it. Let it go and commit yourself to the Lord. Understand God loves you. Just that same care that you see displayed uh, with the Israelites, though they constantly sin against God, God continues to care for them and to show his compassion and love for them. Uh, so even uh, with you yourself, uh, you know, let that stir you to hope. You know, flee from your sin and turn to God. Uh, and grow up in his ways. Um, so uh, the Lord constantly feeds them, uh, but in the wilderness, they still uh, sin against him. Uh, Paul references this in, uh, well, uh, I say Paul. Uh, that's a slip of the tongue. Uh, okay, so what I'm supposed to say is nobody knows who wrote Hebrews, all right? Um, I'm confident it was Paul, but uh, just... Uh, just forget that. Uh, but all right, in Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews will say, um, 
that uh, uh, do not be like Israel, those in the wilderness who rebelled against God. Um, so uh, Hebrews uh, constantly uh, references um, that idea. For us as the church, we need to remember what happened in the wilderness and use that as an example that it is not good to turn away. Um, so, uh, you know, God has um, compassion on them. Uh, Israel rebels. Um, and then uh, you get to this point here uh, where uh, Asaph goes even further back while uh, uh, while Israel was enslaved in Egypt. You know, they saw the uh, they saw the plagues uh, that the Lord brought upon Egypt. Uh, now, what's interesting to consider uh, with with all of this, uh, as God has rescued Israel, um, as God gave Israel the victory when he brought them into the land, uh, you know, understand this was not the the work of the Israelites. This was not done in the strength of the Israelites. I mean, God completely led the way. And, and that's hard to trust because we, so often we want to do things in our own might and in our own strength. Um, but the message here is no, uh, God does the work. We must wait on the Lord. Uh, even when things don't look well, we must trust in the Lord and his work because time and time again, he proves that he is working things for our good and for his glory. Uh, that that is what has happened with Israel. Um, that is why we must remember uh, the plagues of Egypt. And, uh, Israel didn't lift a finger to do anything to Egypt. It was all God's work that He delivered them. Um, and so, uh, you know, God has um, taken Israel. He has made them a people for his own possession. You know, they were, they were saved from slavery in Egypt to be slaves of God. And we don't like hearing that. Um, but, uh, the, the biblical concept of being a slave to God, as Paul writes about it in Romans, uh, we know that God is an excellent master. Uh, so as he has um, taken Israel, uh, he has brought them to liberty. Uh, but it is a kind of liberty where, uh, you know, they don't go and do as they please. Right. I mean, they they disobey God and they do that. That's where you see everything goes wrong. As they descend into wickedness and go their own way, you know, that is why God gave them a law. You know, that is why God set them free and gave them commandments so that they wouldn't, um, you know, just go their own way. Uh, that they understood, uh, you know, it's, it's God as a father, that's God raising his children, right? Uh, you know, God did not just leave them to raise themselves because um, that would have been an absolute wreck. Uh, you know, but things were not as bad as they could have been. 
uh, with God um, directing his people the way that he has. Uh, uh, so, uh, and so we understand uh, in our, uh, in our uh, salvation, uh, with us being saved and delivered from sin, um, we are not saved to go our own way, but to serve Christ. Uh, and, and that is, uh, you know, that is a big part of the message of the gospel. Uh, so, uh, and, and what, what I'm trying to say here is, uh, there's a sort of Exodus shape to the gospel. Now, again, if you read Paul's writings, um, you know, Paul often is describing the Exodus and as how he describes what Jesus has done for us. Again, that's part of the parable we must grasp from the Old Testament. Um, so, uh, the Lord brought the plagues. He delivered them from Egypt. He brought them through the wilderness. He led them into the land. Uh, and it says, uh, yet they tested and rebelled against the most high God and did not keep his testimonies. Uh, and that's verse, that's verse 56. Um, so yeah, we've, uh, we've covered much ground here. Uh, so there's hope yet. Uh, so, uh, so yet they tested and rebelled against the most high God and did not keep his testimonies, but turned away and acted treacherously like their fathers. They twisted like a deceitful bow, uh, for they provoked him to anger with their high places. They moved him to jealousy with their idols. Uh, when God heard he was full of wrath and he utterly rejected Israel, he forsook his dwelling at Shiloh, the tent where he dwelt among mankind. Uh, again, uh, what's at picture here is that beginning of First Samuel. Uh, Eli and his sons, uh, Hophni and, and Phinehas, um, they acted, uh, they acted wickedly. Um, so when you have the priesthood that has fallen into sin, they have ultimately led Israel into sin. Um, and so, uh, judgment was brought upon them. It says that the Lord forsook his dwelling at Shiloh, the tent where he dwelt among mankind, and delivered his power to captivity, his glory to the hand of the foe. Uh, so at this point, all seems hopeless. Uh, the ark was how the Lord um, communicated his presence among Israel. Uh, it's how he directly spoke uh, with the high priest was from the ark. So now that the ark has been taken, Israel is lost. All hope is lost. The ark has been captured. Uh, you know, just uh, just that that great uh, humiliation. Uh, because if you remember the account, uh, what has happened? The Philistines took the ark and they put it in front of uh, Dagon, um, their uh, statue god that the Philistines serve. Uh, they put the ark in, in front of Dagon. Uh, and, uh, so there's that humiliation there. Uh, all hope seems lost. Uh, you know, what's Israel going to do? Cause they don't even have the ark anymore. Uh, and so what happens? Uh, well, the Lord tormented the Philistines. Uh, when they came in the next day, uh, Dagon was toppled over in front of the ark, right? And, uh, you know, uh, you know, Dagon falls twice. Uh, but I think a, a big part of the reason why the first time Dagon falls 
is because the Lord just wants to see people have to pick him up. It's a worthless statue. It's not going to do anything. It requires people to lift it. And so the Philistines see this and they're like, what in the world? Who pushed this? All right. So they come in there, they lift Dagon up. And then the next day, um, Dagon is found toppled over uh, with his head and hands removed. Uh, when, whenever, uh, and it's, it's a common theme as you read through the Old Testament, uh, God deals with the false gods. Usually first, God deals with the false gods. Uh, and you see that here. Uh, he's been captured, and in his capture, God brings about a great victory. And so we remember Jesus was captured. All hope seemed lost. Through his capture, Jesus brought the victory. You know, through his death, we have been given eternal life. As he has died for our sins. And that's the same idea with the ark capture. Um, God took the curse of exile upon himself. Rather than doing uh, what we know should have happened, that was mentioned in Deuteronomy 28. God took that curse upon himself. And through that, he brought victory over the Philistines. Uh, so uh, God tormented the Philistines. And the Philistines, uh, you know, they started... Uh, 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 a theologian I like, uh, Alistair Roberts, uh, he says uh, the Philistines played a dangerous game of hot potato with the ark. Uh, so they have the ark. And so, uh, you know, the, the, the five cities of Philistine, um, they just start uh, passing that around. They're, okay, here, uh, how about you guys take the ark? And so all the cities are passing around the ark because uh, they're getting fed up of all these plagues. Uh, that the Lord is bringing upon the people. And so they finally say, let's be smart about this. Uh, we know what God did to Egypt. Let's just give the ark up. So the Philistines do, they give up the ark and the ark comes back to Israel. Um, and that's, um, that's reflected here uh, at the end of this Psalm. Uh, so it says, and delivered his power to captivity, his glory to the hand of the foe. He gave his people over to the sword and vented his wrath on his heritage. Fire devoured their young men and their young women had no marriage song. Their priests fell by the sword and their widows made no lamentation. Then the Lord awoke as from sleep, like a strong man shouting because of wine. And he put his adversaries to rout. He put them to everlasting shame. Um, and so, uh, again, what has happened, the ark has been uh, delivered back to Israel miraculously. Nobody saw that coming. Nobody expected it. The Philistines took the ark. Again, Israel thought the Lord was going to be no longer with them. All hope was lost. But miraculously, the ark returned. Again, uh, a picture of resurrection. You know, this is the resurrection hope that we share. You know, Jesus returned and it says, He rejected the tent of Joseph. He did not choose the tribe of Ephraim, but he chose the tribe of Judah. The ark has returned and something new has been ushered in. The ark is not going right back to where it was. 
the old way of the ark being housed in Ephraim, that is done. Something new is being ushered in. Um, this is the, the pivotal, the pivotal moment in which things are shifting from, uh, this time of, uh, what you can consider the time of Moses to the time of the kings. Um, the time of the tabernacle is over. And now we are looking forward to this new era where this temple is going to be built. Um, so that's what's going on in Israel. Uh, so this is a mark of the end of the old way and the return of the ark is bringing about something new, uh, you know, which is what we know is going on with us in the gospel. Again, uh, more of the, the deeper parable, um, that we must grasp in scripture. Uh, the, the old covenant, you know, Jesus' death and resurrection, the old covenant was put to an end. At Jesus' resurrection, uh, he ushered in this new covenant. Um, this new covenant where, uh, you know, so, um, Asaph ends his psalm um, talking about how the Lord has chosen David and David will shepherd his people. And so um, the the psalm ends uh, with uh, this expectation where Israel now has a faithful king. All right, this is this is a new, very new era uh, where they can be stirred up with hope that they have this faithful king that they can follow. And they're going to be looking forward to this time when the temple will be built and God will have his permanent presence there among Israel. Uh, and, and the same thing with us. Um, I don't have a bulletin with me. Uh, the, uh, um, the, the reading from the confession, uh, you know, I didn't know that that was going to be presented tonight. Um, but you know, what, uh, what this psalm ultimately ends with is where uh, we are at in our time. We have our faithful king. We have our King David, who is Jesus. And what we are looking forward to is that moment where he will be coming back and have his permanent presence among us here on earth. Um, so just as this psalm ends with Israel in this great situation of having a faithful king, and waiting for that time where the temple will be brought, uh, where, where the temple will be built and God will have uh, his house established with Israel. Uh, so we are uh, longing for that time when the Lord will come back and establish his uh, permanent presence uh, with us, renew the whole world, uh, and we join him in the resurrection. Um, and so... Uh, and that's basically all I got. Uh, but, uh, so again, uh, just the, the, the parable of scripture, um, uh, it's, it's, it's so deep and we can only grasp it if we seek to hear it. Uh, and that's what, uh, that's what we need to be, um, committed to doing, um, that we can stir up hope for the next generation. Uh, again, as, uh, as, as Asaph, um, declared at the beginning of this psalm. Um, this is all for training up the coming generation, uh, that the Lord's kingdom would grow through his church. Uh, you know, and this is not something 
that you uh, ultimately uh, undergo as an individual, um, you know, but but ultimately uh, you you hear the word, uh, you know, through, uh, you know, the Lord has provided uh, teachers to help instruct. Uh, you know, this church has an excellent teacher in Ash. Uh, and so you, you do not undergo this study of the scripture just as an individual by yourself, uh, but we undergo um, this hearing of the word as a church uh, and, and together uh, commun- in, in a community, uh, we are stirred up uh, in hope to faithfully step out and serve our faithful king. Uh, you know, and though we sin, we know that God is still faithful. And we know that he loves us and will accept us when we turn to him, um, just as he has constantly shown uh, with with Israel. Uh, uh, pray with me, if you would. Lord, uh, we thank you for this day. Uh, we thank you for uh, we thank you for your word. And we ask by your spirit uh, that your word uh, would stir in our hearts, uh, that we uh, that we would go forth and serve you uh, boldly uh, and humbly. Uh, Lord, that we would declare your excellencies uh, to uh, a lost and wicked generation. Uh, Lord, that we would raise up faithful generations uh, who would seek to hear your word. Yeah. Lord, we uh, we thank you for uh, Ash and uh, the work you've done uh, through him in this church. Uh, and Lord, uh, we just ask that you would uh, continue to do uh, much more so. Lord, we love you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please stand and sing the closing today.
Amen. Uh, thank you, James. Did you go back there? Um, you know, one of the ideas that he had there at the very beginning was that idea of doing laps, the scripture. Um, I think that's a great uh, idea of saying, if you want to know the word, so all, all working with students for years, right? This is what always happens. Kids come to me and they say, Ash, I want to know the Bible. Like, I want to know the word, right? I want to know the word. And I'm like, cool then you're going to have to spend like the next 60 years being in it every day on a regular basis. That's what you got to do. Nobody wants to do that. Everybody wants to cram the Bible, right? Like they want to be like, I want to be able to like read it over the course of a weekend and then have it all figured out, Ash. That's never going to happen. What you have to do is you have to read it over and over again. You know, I love the idea of going through the scripture every year. You don't have to do that, but roughly doing that. Um, putting in reps, putting in laps, and knowing that God is going to use that to to grow you over the course of a lifetime. Um, and it helps us to, we begin to see things that we didn't see before, that, that parable that he's talking about. The parable starts to open up to us, right? Versus just a bunch of random stories about people, that goat farmers that lived 3,000 years ago. And you're like, I don't know what this has to do with me. And then little by little, you start going, oh, I see it has to do with everything. Um, and, and we realize that. So um, thank you. Um, you guys have heard James preach a few times before, um, next week, um, you're going to get to hear, um, Tim, uh, yeah, there you go with musical accompaniment. Um, but Tim's going to, uh, share with us from Psalm 50, 51 next week. And so, um, uh, hope you'll be able to be here for that, um, to encourage him and to, um, to hear what the Lord has laid on his heart. So. Again, if you want to come to my house tomorrow night, about 8, 8.30, somewhere in there, come on. If you need directions, send me a text, and we'll all hang out tomorrow night and uh, celebrate the Lord's blessing on our country by blowing some stuff up and eating some pie, So, um, as he intended. So uh, here's this benediction as you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Turn his face towards you and give you peace. We'll see you next week.